Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Mesa Christian Church. God is so good, isn't he? It is just an honour to be here with you today. And why don't we pray right now? And just thank God for his Holy Spirit that's already here because he came in your heart this morning when you walked in, you presenced Jesus right here. And Lord, we just honour you this morning. Thank you for your beautiful big family. Thank you for the privilege of being part of it. Lord, I pray that every one of my brothers and sisters, young and old, will just sense the power of your love for them this morning. Lord, as we honour her, we honour the women in our lives and what they have done in paving the way for us. Lord, we pray that you be glorified through us. Lord, that you will anoint this word as I speak. God, that you will fill my mouth with your wisdom and grace and your love in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please take your seats. That was awesome, Josiah. I just loved it. Thank you, mate. That was coming right out of your spirit. That was coming right from your heart, and that was what impacts us. I, um, as I say, it's a, today at Bayside Church, it's an honour. We are blessed to celebrate the NADOC service together with our Torres Strait Islanders, families, and ab- local Aborigines um, from the Bay Area. NADOC, the theme is because of her we can. And it's good to, this helps bring the focus um, on the valuable contributions of our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women have made and continue to make in our communities, both locally and state and at a national level. It's, got, it's good to um, and important to honour the roles that our mothers, grandmothers, aunties, sisters, daughters, Um, have played in each one of our lives and contributed to our families. God has a plan and a purpose for both of us, both male and female. God designed us to be part of his family. And as we work together, our strengths will complement each other. And as we will, and that will strengthen us to build healthy sons and daughters, families and communities. Amen? Amen. Because of her, we can. Now, my first point is her godly example. And uh, as uh, my sisters have already read, I had um, Proverbs 31, starting at verse 10. And I'll just uh, briefly read through it again. A woman of noble character who can find her worth is far more than rubies. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh without fear at the days to come. When she speaks, she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her saying, Many women have done noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty soon fades, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her works um, bring her praise at the city gates. I also have women in my life that because of them, because of her, I can. And I'll tell you a little bit about my story. My grandmother came from Scotland as a young bride of 20 years old. She married my grandfather after World War I. He was a bit of a charmer, a tall, strapping Aussie bloke who promised her 
a life on, <laughs> I know, I'm laughing already, on a cattle station. And he took her up to Cape York, like far, far north Queensland. They had the most northerly cattle station in Australia, Lockerbie. And um, this is back in the early 1930s. So this, it was pretty rugged up there. And my dear little grandmother, and uh, by this stage, they had children very quickly, like five, bang, 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 bang. And then so she's, the last one was born, my uncle was born up in the, prim, right up in isolated Cape York. And um, when they arrived, there wasn't much of a station there yet. They hadn't built any yards. There was no house to speak of. It was all just dreams in my grandfather's head. And so she, she just lived with whatever. She learned to cook. She had not even... My grandmother was raised to be a lady in Scotland. She hadn't even washed a thing. The most she'd ever washed in her life was a couple of handkerchiefs. And she lands up in this isolated cattle station that wasn't even there yet, you know. They had to build the rails. They had to build a home. They had... She's got little children. And, you know, she tells me... I remember my grandmother lived to be nearly 97. And she told me that if it wasn't for the help of Minnie and Jacko, two local Aboriginal... And um, there were some islanders, a big islander in Sacia Village. There's a big islander community. There were also some local Aborigines there. If it wasn't for the help of this local Aboriginal community, things would have been very difficult for me. She said that um, Minnie and Jacko actually came to live on there, near them and helped my grandmother to learn to do things and she she had to learn the hard way and uh, and my mother also told me many stories of going and collecting bush tucker with Minnie and the other Aboriginal children. She learnt the names of all the local creeks and landmarks and later wrote about this in her book about her life growing up in, in um, Cape York. Um, she would talk about how all these little blondies all <laughs> would go with with Minnie and Jacko and all the other kids, and they would eat um, turtle and guana and snake and other freshly caught delicacies. And they would go from um, go through with Minnie and, and the other women and collect the food um, as they would, you know, would come back and, and with these treasures. And so my mother and um, particularly my grandmother taught me the respect of all people regardless of their race, their gender or their age or their financial status, that in God's eyes we are all his children and created equally with love. And, and that's what I was instilled into me that came through. And my grandfather, it was because of his kindness and respect which he treated the local um, stockmen, Aboriginal stockmen and community, that... Um, they built a house for my mother in Sacia Village where she could live for the rest of her life after her father died, when her old age. And she lived there until she was um, quite elderly and she had only left when she had a heart attack and went back to Townsville to be with my other sisters. My grandfather wasn't a cow cocky. He was a working man and he, got, he didn't sit on the veranda and, you know, crack the whip and, and give orders to everybody else. He taught the men how to muster, how to shoe horses, how to settle, how to break a horse in with kindness. 
not breaking their spirit, but taming the will and winning their respect. And it's this kind of kindness and respect that they built this house for my mother and the legacy went on. And as I say, my mum and my grandmother passed this love and respect for the Torres Strait Islander and Aboriginal people and their customs. And I also um, consider it a privilege to be able to speak here this morning. And when um, I was growing up as a girl in, in um, Chartist House and in Townsville, there were um, families nearby us that they were from um, Islander families and the guys would come and play their guitars and sit in big groups in the homes and I loved to just sneak in and and listen and join in with what was happening and later on in um, boarding school um, I was put in boarding school when I was 12 because sadly my family broke up and and in that that boarding school experience there were girls from Palm Island that had been taken and just plonked in the boarding school and they became like big sisters to me. Um, my sister and I we were only 10 and 11 and 12. And, and we, we really looked to these girls and they looked after us and they, they cared for us. And then later on in, in high school, I was in Charters Towers. And there were some girls that were brought from way Arnhem Land, like way, way out west. And they had lovely black shiny skin. They had straight hair. They didn't have the islander curly hair. They had the straight wavy hair. And I, they came to sleep. We slept in dormitories and they came to be beside me and my sister. And I remember hearing them crying at night, being, <sighs> here I go. I said, I wasn't going to cry. But I remember hearing them crying because they had literally just been snatched out of their homes and plonked into boarding school. And they hadn't worn the uniform and the shoes and like their lifestyle was obviously very different from where their homeland they had been put in their school and and had, they had first they had to learn the language because they didn't speak much English and it was very difficult to, to be expected to study and in high school to come into this the school I went to had a very high academic standard and it was a friend of them we we lived shoulder to shoulder in these dormitories. It was very crowded and this was in the 70s. And, and I remember developing some great friendships that lasted for years and years. Sadly, we've lost touch now. That, that time was. And it's taught me something that there were many tears and I didn't have to, you know, like if I asked the stories, you wouldn't have to go very far before you found tears and a, and a story that is sad. But what it taught me is that God can turn those tears around. There are many, many tears, reasons to cry, reasons to be sad. But, you know, the, the Bible says in Psalm 126, verses 5 to 6, it says, Those who sow their tears as seeds will reap a harvest with joyful shouts. They will weep as they go out carrying their seeds to sow, but they will return with joyful laughter and shoutings of gladness. I believe God can turn those tears into prayers that break through to healing for our communities. Sowing our tears in prayers with a purpose brings joy. I've also, also experienced this in my life. 
those, um, that's the tears of compassion that reap a reward of miracles. We sow tears of faith and compassion that bring about a harvest of souls with joy, that, that we can bring back the armloads of blessings with a harvest overflowing. Moved by compassion, pray and intercede, you, you are moving with God as we turn those tears into something that he can work with. There is pain, just like in childbirth, there is pain, but there's joy comes when that baby comes and we're able to see the life that goes on. So tears, tears can be a good thing when, when, they have the, when they're sown in God, tears of repentance. Tears have the power to be sown compassion and the power to, when we give them to God, they have power. In Isaiah, I'm sorry, um, Psalm 51, it says, God loves the broken and contrite spirit with a repentant heart. And he turns, his, turns the hearts, our hearts around towards him. Um, there have been times in my life when I thought there was compound grief and loss when a lot of these dear women in my life died very quickly together and they were a lot older and I was born younger in um, my old later in my parents' life, sorry. And I remember feeling there was a time when I was so overwhelmed with grief and loss that I cried and cried and cried and cried and to the point where I thought, will I ever be happy again? And it was at that point that God took my tears and turned them into something beautiful. And when I was, I found out that God actually bottles up our tears he values them that much and that he counts them in his ledger and psalm 84 verses 4 to 7 it says blessed and greatly favored are those who dwell in your house and in your presence they sing your praises all day long blessed and greatly favored are those whose strength is in you their hearts are set on on you on their Part. Those, even though they pass through the valley of Becca, of weeping, they make it a place of springs. Early rain also covers it with blessings. They go from strength to strength, increasing in victorious power, each of them as they, be, they appear before you, Lord. This is, this, the Passion Version says, Lord, you know all my desires and my deepest longings. My tears are liquid words and you can read them all. He hears your cries and he sees your tears. And when, but there is a day coming, folks. <laughs> there is a day coming in Revelations. It says, Revelations 21 verses 1 to 4, it says, He will wipe away every tear from your eyes and there will be no more crying and no more tears. Hallelujah. <laughs> there is a day coming and he can do this. He will wipe away from their eyes, your eyes, and there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. For the old order of things will be passed away. And there will be a returning of the right order of how things God. So good can come from our tears. Good can come when we have a...
is that lead to repentance leads us to a better path. It leads us to forgiveness and being in right standing with God so that we do not have to be, be overburdened with guilt or shame or the pain. Tears of compassion that become um, intercession that can bring about a miracle. Tears of intercession where we see answers of prayers. This is where we can see them bring, um, bring forth life. Tears of healing, tears that bring joy. His kindness leads us to repentance and bring your brokenness to him. Don't waste your grief and pain. Do you know we can waste it when we just turn it inward and we become self-focused and get into self-pity. And this is really, this is where you go into a tailspin. <laughs> where Because when you turn it inward, it's just self-focused and it doesn't help at all to, to um, you know, to bring forward, to break out of that. You really need God's supernatural grace and strength. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance and, um, and he will lead us through. In Psalm 61, just as I've, I um, come to a close, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim freedom for captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, the day of vengeance of their God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And they will be called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. And they will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations." This is the promise of the Lord to you and I this morning, that there's this divine exchange takes place. When we bring him what we have experienced, when we bring our, our brokenness of heart, that he gives us the, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. He gives us beauty instead of ashes. He gives us the oil of joy instead of mourning. And he promises to rebuild renew and restore our lives, the things that have been devastated for generations. To put on this covering as a child of God, you need to come to Christ yourself and acquire this as a son, as an equal son, an equal daughter. As I said to start with, that God is no, he, he sees us all equally as his sons and daughters and we receive him like that by faith. And we invite him into our lives. He comes and he forgives us. He brings healing to the depths of, of our souls. He takes our focus off ourselves and puts it out where, where it can do some good, where it can bring forth some life and some fruit. He puts in a heart of compassion in us that we will intercede and pray for our families, pray for our sons, pray for our children, our grandchildren, our communities that have been devastated, that have been lost and broken. And I've lived to see God restore and rebuild and renew not only the fabric of my soul and my family, which was very shattered, 
but has given me a life, a new life in the children and the grandchildren. And the life that I now live, I know it's because of him. It's because of him. In him, we can do this. You too can do this. And, and we honour the women that have taught us how to pray, that have taught us how to, to be, live a godly life and how to, how to show the kindness of Christ and to, to self-sacrifice. But this morning, I just want to say that you too can come into this freedom, that as a family and that it, because of what's happened in the past, we can draw a line and say, God, by the grace of God, I stand in freedom. By the grace of God, I stand restored, healed, renewed. And all the tears that I have cried, you've bottled them in your, in your book and you've written them in a ledger. Nothing is lost to him. Nothing is wasted to him. He sees it all and he loves you and he has hope for you this morning. Why don't you pray with me? Why don't we stand? Can we stand for a moment? And we just ask the Lord Jesus to fill us. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the power of your love. I thank you for the power of the gospel that brings life, healing. Every one of my brothers and sisters and every family that they represent every individual and every group. I ask that you come by your Holy Spirit now. God, turn that morning into dancing. God, put on the garment of praise. Lord, as we give off a spirit of heaviness, Lord, we know that you have good in your heart towards us. Regardless of how we feel this morning, we put our hope and our trust in you. And those that do that, your word says, will never be disappointed and will never be put to shame. We honour you this morning. I pray, God, your peace over every one of my brothers and sisters, that they will know your love individually and over their families, that you will break the chains that have held family members in bondage and that freedom and life, new life, will come. And that this community will bring you renown, joy and praise because of the good things that you do for it and for the healing of its people. We give you permission to work in our community. We honour you, we love you and we praise you for your healing power in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, folks. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.